Welcome to the Pierce Point Podcast. Today we are going to uh, continue in our journey in Luke chapter 10, and we're going to pick up where we left you hanging yesterday, and that uh, rolls into the Good Samaritan. And I think we have, uh, well, I know that we have some thoughts that will um, will encourage and yet still challenge you. But as we get started, as we often do, as we always do, let's jump into some comments. Mike Van Fleet, uh, speaking of Luke chapter 12, uh, says, following Jesus may not be easy. He, he tells us that picking up our cross and leaving all of our stuff is what we should do to be a follower. For us to not lose our saltiness, we have to follow Jesus. I like those, mm-hmm. those images. God is asking us to walk away from the cares of this life and to follow hard after him. Sarah, uh, my wife, Sarah Frankhauser, commented and said, a good question to ask ourselves is, what am I still clinging to? Uh, what must I let go of uh, that's holding me back from being a more devoted follower? She says, just as Nathan and Barney have been talking about on Sundays, I think this parable Jesus gives of the Great Supper speaks to devotion. And the question she asks, of course, is how devoted are we really? And we'll, we'll of course, get into those questions. I think that chapter uh, largely... Uh, the, the the kind of main focus for me as I read through that chapter is, of course, the, the section on uh, Jesus talking about hating your father and mother and children and brothers and sisters and, and, and coming after him to be his disciple. And of course, those are really challenging words, um, but they're, they have to be understood in the, in the frame of mind that Jesus is speaking them. And that is mm-hmm. all things are secondary in comparison to him. And Sarah's question is very, uh, very good in that, you know, are we devoted? What is our level of devotion? And, you know, have we, have we really surrendered everything? Now, the beauty, I think, of that question or the beauty of the journey that we see in walking with Jesus is, is that he is compassionate with us. He has, he has been kind to us when we weren't willing to let things go, mm-hmm. that we, um, we come to find that we need to let those go years later, and he is still there inviting us to let it go and walk with him. You know, So I think, mm-hmm. I don't know, I, I just think that there's a, an immense amount of compassion that Jesus has for us in that great call mm-hmm. to follow mm-hmm. after him. So uh, yesterday, the way we ended was to, to kind of assess this confrontation that Jesus is having with uh, a, a lawyer. And the lawyer in verse 25 stands up to put Jesus to the test. And so as we walk through this, it's really important that we set the stage for what is taking place here. And that's going to lead to the question, why this parable? Why the parable of the Good Samaritan? Uh, And as we do that, uh, we're going to ask some deeper questions, which is, what is the purpose of parables? What is the purpose of this parable? <laughs> and um, and seeing it in context really is going to affect its meaning greatly. But setting the stage, the lawyer is challenging Jesus. What are mm-hmm. your what are your initial thoughts here? Well, I think uh, that first of all, it was very uh, uh, notable what Jesus uh, had had said back to him. He he knew he was he knew he was a an expert in the law. And uh, what he what he asks him in verse twenty six is, 
what is written in the law. And, and we noted uh, yesterday that you had said one of the things that we probably wouldn't want to say in a sermon or in, in, how does it read to you yes. is what Jesus asked him. <clears throat> and uh, that's, a, that, that's an interesting question to ask someone because we all know that our, our views and our version, if it's not informed by Scripture or other things that Christ has said, it can be skewed. It can be really off the path. Yeah, that, that question today, why it's so problematic, is that question today is often rendered, you know, um, how do you read this or, or um, you know, what do you get out of this? And the, the problem there is there is something to get out of Scripture and there is not something for everybody to get out of Scripture in their own unique way. I think people do this with their Bible reading. They they say, well, that passage doesn't really say that to me. It says something different to mm-hmm. me. Well, no. <laughs> mm-hmm. It either says what it was intended to say or uh, we're reading it wrong. But but Jesus is doing something very, uh, very specific here mm-hmm. when he's asking this question. And we're going to see it in the parable of the Good Samaritan. We're also going to, we're going to see why when we understand what the purpose of this parable was for, which is contrary to what most of us are probably taught on a Sunday morning or in Sunday school. When Jesus says, what is written in the law? That's a basic question. Mm-hmm. I want you to give me a quote. Give, give me something verbatim. But when he says, how does it read to you? Effectively, what Jesus is saying to this lawyer is, is I'm going to go ahead and entertain you for a while. And I'm going to allow you to sit on the judge's seat. And I want you to know, I want you to respond and tell me what is your judgment of what is written in the law and how it is to be read, okay? And so then the lawyer comes behind that and says, well, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength, with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. Now, as we pointed out yesterday, Jesus just looks at him and says, well, you've answered correctly. Do this and you will live, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Do this and you will live. Uh, I think knowing that this man is not doing this Mm -hmm. and therefore uh, therefore will not live, um, we, we actually see this idea in the Old Testament. So this guy quotes the law to Jesus. And Jesus is quoting the law back to him, mm-hmm. right? Leviticus 18.5, so you shall keep my statutes and my judgments by which a man may live. If he does them, I am the Lord. Mm-hmm. So right there, Jesus is going, oh, you want to know? Well, you're going to quote that to me. Well, you've got to live by it. Mm-hmm. And if you live by it, then you can live. You're, you can truly you're, live. You're going to truly live. Um, but then verse 29, again, sets the stage for what this man is really trying to accomplish. But wishing to justify himself, he said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? I've, I've shared this with you a couple of times, and, and I, I enjoy really parsing through the text to find out how something should be read. We're not dealing with a man who's come to the, um, the church altar at altar call because he wants to come to Jesus. We've got an antagonist here. 
He is testing Jesus. Jesus says, what's written in the law? How do you read it? I'll let you sit in the judgment seat. You tell me what's happening. The guy recites the right answer. He gives the right answer. Jesus responds to him and says, since you know the law, here's what the law also says. Do this and you will live. But wishing to justify himself, this is how that man asks this next question. Well, who is my neighbor? Mm-hmm. You know, there's mm-hmm. a there's a snark to what this guy is asking. Mm-hmm. Well, then fine. Who is my neighbor? What comes next is in keeping with what I just said before setting the stage. Jesus sets a story that is backwards to what we would expect him to say to mm-hmm. this man, mm-hmm. which is Jesus saying, Okay, stay in the judgment seat. I'm going to tell you a story, and I want you to judge it. And it's by your standard Mm -hmm. that I'm going to show you that you're going to be judged as Mm -hmm. well. So right away, we get into verse 30, and he says, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. So what what about this parable right off the bat piques your interest? I think it it starts off, I have to go back for just a second to to see... Uh, this is this lawyer was a guy, and and Jesus would have known this. He he was interpreting the law on a regular basis. He was an expert per se in the law in Moses' law. So so when Jesus said to him in verse twenty eight, "You have answered correctly. Do this." When he said, "Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, uh, uh, and strength, uh, strength and mind, and your neighbor as yourself." Now. I, we don't know what was in this man's heart. Maybe he thought he was doing that. But he he's wanting to justify himself, obviously something that he either has a different view of or is not doing at all, loving your neighbor as yourself. He's, he, he, I'm, and I'm just getting into, into, trying to get into the mind of this man. So just as you've said, well, who is my neighbor? Yeah. Who is it that I'm supposed to love uh, just, uh, uh, just as I am? So, And then we go right down into verse 30. Jesus replied and said, A man was, walking, was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among robbers, and they stripped him and beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. Yeah. So... So this guy, this guy in the story is, um, is nobody that is reading the story. Okay. So we do that. We have this problem where we like to read ourselves into the story. And if we're going to find our place in this story, we're in the same position as the lawyer or uh, another person that is hearing the parable. We do not belong in the parable. <laughs> we are to be affected by the parable. That's mm-hmm. the really important thing. So so with that in mind, as we walk through the story, we can make too much of some details, right? Trying to trying to get into, you know, spiritual gnostic meanings, but we've got to be careful on this. So so let's just walk through this parable. A man is going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. He fell among robbers. They stripped him and they beat him, and they went away leaving him half dead. And by chance, a priest was going down on that road. And he saw him, and he passed by on the other side. So we have this journey uh, from Jerusalem to Jericho, and we've got a priest, a Jewish priest here, 
going down the road. He sees him. He actually trades sides of the road and walks by this guy. Okay, that's not very loving. <laughs> Doesn't want anything to do with that situation. <laughs> Nothing to do with it, okay? Then, and, and again, we're not reading into that text. That's what it says there. Then verse 32, likewise, a Levite also. So we have a Levite and we have a priest. And uh, sounds like the makings of a bad joke. But anyway, a Levite and a priest <laughs> walking on a road. So likewise, the Levite also, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. So the two approaches of these two Jewish people, a priest and a Levite, are to get far away from the man mm-hmm. that's in need. So then, verse 33 Uh, Jesus says, but a Samaritan, and of course, anybody in this culture, especially a Jew, would have known that these people were, they were referred to as half-breeds. They were were the product of disobedience by the Jewish people anyway. They were not liked. There was a lot of tension there. So he says, but a Samaritan who was on a journey, came upon him, and when he saw him, he felt compassion, and came to him and bandaged up his wounds, pouring oil and wine on them. And he put uh, in that pouring oil and wine, those were uh, traditional medicinal ideas back then. And he put him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. Now, I do love the fact that the Samaritan is said to be on a journey. So it's he's preoccupied, mm-hmm. at least it would appear, with something. Nothing terribly deep there, but he's preoccupied, and yet he he feels compassion and, and is interrupted from mm-hmm. this journey he's mm-hmm. on to care for this guy. So this is a far cry from the guy who switches the side of the road and walks by sure. the hurt man. Mm-hmm. Verse 34, and he came and he bandaged up his wounds, pouring oil and wine on them. And he put him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. On the next day, he took out two denarii, which is uh, basically two days days worth of mm-hmm. wages, right? And he gave them to the innkeeper and said, take care of him. And whatever more you spend, when I return, I will repay you. Why, why is that important? He's on a journey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's going to leave for a period of time, and then he's going to come back. But what compassion this is that he would already help him and bandage him up and care for him and then say, whatever further expenses you incur, mm-hmm. I'm willing to cover mm-hmm. that too. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then we get to the, to the crux of this matter, not waiting in the details. We just got to jump down to 36. He says, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell into the robber's hands? Now, this is where I want people to see what Jesus is doing here. Mm-hmm. Notice above what Jesus asks of this lawyer. He says, what is written in the law? How does it read to you? In this parable, he does the same thing. You stay in the judgment seat, lawyer. I want you to judge what is right and wrong here. And and what we see elsewhere in scripture is that the measure by which we judge is the measure by which we will be judged. So if we are going to judge a certain way, we are going to be judged by that based on our actions. So in verse 36, Jesus says, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell into the robber's hands? I think most of us would think of this parable, if if Jesus is trying to get this guy to understand something very clearly, 
He would ask, who's my neighbor? And Jesus would say, the person you show compassion to. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't that mm-hmm. be the easy answer to this question? That would be the easy answer. And it would be, it would take away all of the uh, lesson that's about to be taught here yes. and the uh, extremely important, extremely important lesson to, uh, 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 that was, uh, that this lawyer was about to get. Yes. Although it would take away that meaning of that lesson, most of us judge this and say, but it would take away this ambiguity. We want it to just be clear. (laughs) But here is the real important question. We have to ask the question, what are the parables for? Mm -hmm. And then we have to ask a better question, which is, what is this parable for? And you'll see where there's two levels of this. The first thing we read a couple of uh, a couple of weeks ago in the podcast where we talked about the purpose of parables, and that is that they were given to those who were humble, those who were curious, those who were seeking, uh, humble in heart, if you will, because they were wanting to grow and to learn. I, I shared in that podcast that Jesus spoke the same parables to the world to the Jewish world, that he spoke to his disciples. He did not speak parables to his disciples. He did. The difference is they said, teacher, what do you mean by this? And 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 the particular parable that we were talking about then was the, the, the soils, you know, the path soil and the rocky soil and the thorny soil. But the disciples asked, what's the meaning of this? And then Jesus goes into this really hard statement, which is, that he is concealing things from the wise. And we look at that like he doesn't want them to see. No, 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 no. We, we, we really spent some time on that and showed that these people had judged themselves unworthy of eternal life because they didn't want to hear what he had to say. Mm-hmm. So the answer to the first question, what are parables for? That is that the perceived wise, the supposed wise, this lawyer who thinks he's all that in a bag of chips, right? He comes to this antagonizing Jesus and Jesus says, I'm going to speak a parable right now that's just going to cause lots of questions in your mind. Mm -hmm. It's going to, I'm going to speak this. It's clear. The guy understands the words Jesus is saying. He just doesn't understand his place. Mm In the story, not in this parable story, but in the story of life, which is that he needs to be convicted and he doesn't even see it. So, so first, that's parables are for uh, God's people to understand the 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 ways of the kingdom, but for those who deem themselves unworthy, they're going to be hidden things to them. Now, the question is, what is this parable for? This parable is not to teach us that social justice is a great idea. This parable is not to teach us that we should create an organization called the Good Samaritans for, you know, Jerusalem or something like this. This has nothing to do with what this parable is about. This parable was spoken so that all hearers would be convicted. The humble will respond rightly and say, wow, I need to love my neighbor. The, the wicked, the, the stubborn, the wise in their own eyes as this lawyer is, they're going to respond and say, I'll find a way around that mm-hmm. because I'm not going to do that. So we have to ask that question and see what the answers are, but mm-hmm. we're, we're going to come mm-hmm. back to more of it in a yeah. second. And, and he would, now we don't read what his response was after 30, 37, 
Uh, and when he just said that, that he, he did agree that the one who showed, who showed mercy and Jesus says uh, these words that, are, that had to be ringing in his ears, go and do the same. Yes. And at that point, I think, I think you're exactly right. I think there is a, a conviction that, that should have or would have come upon this man to say, I, I'm, I'm not doing any of that. Now, we don't read it. We don't know Absolutely. what his response was beyond, beyond that because we, just we don't read on. it. Yeah, we just move on about it. Yeah. So, so again, let's, let's rewind to the judgment seat question. So the lawyer asks, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? It almost sounds smug. If we understand he's testing Jesus. So why don't you tell me what I have to do to inherit eternal life since you're the dispenser of all this knowledge, Jesus? Jesus responds and says, go ahead and sit in the judgment seat and answer this question. What is written in the law and how does it read to you? The man answers correctly. Mm -hmm. And we've talked about this in the past. The man answers correctly. The question is, does he do correctly? Mm -hmm. Lots of people know the right answers. Uh, You pointed out this morning, the demons know the word of God. They know God and they shudder. The question is, do they they submit? Do they obey? The answer is no, of course not, Mm -hmm. right? They, they They have their own agenda. What Jesus is getting at here by putting this man in the judgment seat is by is is to say you you can speak a good game but do you do it and we see it in the beginning love the lord your god with all your heart mind soul and strength and love your neighbor as yourself jesus is like you can picture it ding 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 you got the right answer bud do this and you're going to live but then the man goes but who is my neighbor mm-hmm. then jesus says okay stay in the judgment seat stay in the judgment seat i'm going to give you a scenario i'm going to give you a story again The man understood the words coming out of Jesus' mouth because when he asked him the final question, who, which of these three uh, do you think proved to be a neighbor? The man answered correctly. Absolutely. Just as he answered the previous question correctly. The challenge is, is he willing to love like this? I also believe that Jesus is throwing a grenade in the room here. And that is when he in this story, uses a Samaritan as the one who does what's right, yes. it, would, it would most likely lead to this uh, lawyer being infuriated, therefore his answer in 37 sounding something like the one who showed him mercy, mm-hmm. right? It's a, it's a response out of frustration and aggression, and Jesus' quick, simple response is, Go and do the same. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Go and do the same. There have been so many times when when you find yourself in a situation with a fellow Christian, they they don't want to do what they know they should do. And it and it manifests itself in anger or frustration. And sometimes the best thing that you can do is not fight or argue, but simply say, you know what you need to do. Yeah, you yeah. need to just go and do it. Yeah. You know, we've done this with each other. We've done this in, in, you know, with each other as Christians. We need to do this more. Sometimes we don't need to fight. We just need to say, you know full well what you need mm-hmm. to do. And it appears that that's what Jesus says to this man. This has got to be, this would be, if, if the man has the heart to, to accept what Christ has said here, it would be a humbling experience because he's just used 
uh, a a Samaritan man who was who would have been hated and despised by the Jews, especially a lawyer who would have every reason to say these people are pagans. They don't they don't they they. We don't like them. They don't like us. Yeah. They it, worship it, on the wrong hill. <laughs> exactly. Rabbis even taught the Jews to not even help a Jewish wo- or a, 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 a Samaritan woman in childbirth because all it would do was just bring one more Gentile dog into the world. Yes. And, yes. and so they they hated them. And to use this, Jesus used the thing that this man would probably never think about in his interpretation or judgment of yes. the law and what God, he would never think about using a Samaritan as the one to teach him anything. And this is what exactly what Jesus did. Absolutely. So awesome. A couple of other observations in this, just in our approach to scripture is that oftentimes, and this comes from sermons I've heard, this uh, probably... Um, Regretfully, comes from sermons I've preached. I, you know, I can't, I can't even remember half the things that I've that I've shared over the years. But uh, sadly, what we often do is we read ourselves into the parable story when we would be better at times. I'm not saying all the time. I think there are times when you read a parable and you say, "Okay, where? What character?" Am I or am I a character in the story? But I think the first question should be, am I a character in the parable or am I a character outside of this? And the right place for us is not to go, well, I'm a good Samaritan. Well, that's nice. I'm glad you think so highly of yourself. Um, our, our, you know, our reflection on ourself hopefully is not that we were a priest or a Levite. Those were not the points that Jesus was getting at. The point that Jesus was getting at was to set this lawyer in the judgment seat and have him judge. And then by that standard of judgment, Jesus was going to judge him. And it's not based on his words, but based on his actions. Mm -hmm. So here's the story. You're not a character in the story. I just want you to tell me who the good neighbor is. And he answers, even begrudgingly, the Samaritan's the one who does this mm-hmm. right. And Jesus says, well, good, you should probably follow suit with that dirty old Samaritan. You, you should go and do the same. When we're reading this parable, it would be wise for us to stop thinking of ourselves as a good Samaritan or a, a horrible priest or something like this, but instead asking ourselves the question, are we the, are we the lawyer here? Or are we maybe one of Jesus's disciples who actually gets the answer to the question, gets, gets the point of the parable? This parable was designed to convict, that's its goal, mm-hmm. to, the, to the self-professed wise lawyer. He has all kinds of questions. He is most likely... This is complete conjecture. He is most likely walking away from this story. We're never going to get this answer. I'm just throwing out an opinion here. He is most likely walking away from this encounter going, can you believe he compared me to to a Samaritan or that he wants me to be like a Samaritan? That is an exercise in missing the point. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Right? Instead, he should have heard this and thought, that's what I have to do to love my neighbor? I guess I'm not going to live. I guess I'm not going to inherit eternal life because he was unwilling to do those Mm -hmm. things. These people were, we read elsewhere in scripture that they would not even support their own family 
because what they had was Corbin. What they had was devoted to God, let alone be like a Samaritan or help somebody that potentially would be a foreigner to them. They would never want to do this. To the person who is a follower of Jesus, we ought to read ourselves as either the lawyer and be convicted or as a disciple and remain convicted and say, God, help me to be that kind of neighbor. Help me that when I am busy, help me that when I am focused on a journey that I'm on, that I see human life as more important than my agenda, Absolutely. than my goal. Mm-hmm. The, the question that Jesus asks about the Sabbath, he says, is it, is it right to do good or evil on the Sabbath? Who of you wouldn't go in after your sheep if it was, you know, it was a lost on the Sabbath or however it's phrased? The point is, God is equipping his disciples to be lovers mm-hmm. of his creation. They are to rule rightly and sadly We need conviction like this story to understand where we need to be. Mm -hmm. We just don't read it this way. We we read it too often and go, am I a good Samaritan? Mm -hmm. Well, sure, that's an interesting question. I suppose you're trying to get at the answer the same way. But we ought to know that the point of this parable was to convict. Yeah, absolutely. And don't forget this man knew knew the scripture. He was an expert in it. And uh, it's so important. There's a stern warning in here that we we can we can know exactly all the things that that God says to do, but until we actually apply them to our heart and, and our mind and our life and live them out, uh, we're 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 just like we're just like this lawyer. Yes. We are we are simply uh, quoting words. He could quote the words back very well, word for word. He had it down. It couldn't have been any clearer. But he he missed the whole concept of what God was trying to do with those words. Yes. And sometimes, if we're not careful, we will miss that concept as well. To your point there, which I, I don't think can be stressed enough, um, we are not saved because we got an A on a Bible quiz. Right, right. We we are not going to be we are not going to be admitted into the throne room of God, into the presence of God. We are not going to have access to a new heaven and a new earth because uh, because we are able to quote uh, scripture verbatim. Should we know it? Yes, and to Certainly. and to set those at odds is just a fool's errand. We ought to know God's word. Why? 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching and correction and rebuking and training in righteousness for the man of God so that he can be fully equipped. The idea here is we want to be fully equipped, but we are saved by grace through faith. We are putting our trust in God. This guy is an example of somebody who could quote it right, and Jesus is still... He knows his heart. Yes. Jesus yeah. is still looking at this guy and saying, well, that's nice. You've answered correctly. Do that. Absolutely. You do that. Yes. Jesus knows by saying do that, he's going to pick at this guy a little further. Mm-hmm. So the guy goes, well, then who's my neighbor? Yeah. He's, he's mad about this situation. And so Jesus says, okay, remain in the judgment seat. I want you to judge. And then it's by that standard you need to judge. The truth is what we do not know just... This story ends curiously, just like the story of the prodigal son, just like the story of the older brother in that, where it just abruptly seems to end. Mm -hmm. And the question is, what happens? I mean, does this lawyer do what he needs to do? Well, we don't know. But for you and I, we know what needs to be done. Absolutely. We know that it's not just knowing the truth. 
but doing the truth. Doing, be, not just hearers of the word only. And, Amen. And the, these guys would have, uh, that, that was a, just a, a, a stern lesson in applying the word of God to your life and actually living what it says, not yeah. just repeating it. So. Yes. so like that, I think verses 38 through 42 also teach us a very mm-hmm. powerful lesson in priorities um, but sometimes this this can be construed as who God loves and who God doesn't love, and we've got to be careful on that. So verse 38, uh, now as they were traveling along, he entered a village, this is Jesus, enters a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister called Mary, who was seated at the Lord's feet, listening to his words. But Martha was distracted with all her preparations, and she came up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? It sounds like something my, my four daughters ask all the time. Anyway, uh, so, so he says, uh, then tell her to help me. He doesn't even give him a chance to answer. But anyway, then, t- then yes. tell her to help me. Verse 41, but the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha. You are worried and bothered about so many things, but only one thing is necessary, for Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her, and that is this listening to his words, Mm -hmm. this life that comes uh, from his words. What's something that stands out to you? This uh, story about uh, Mary and Martha, these are are well known uh, in scripture there. Mary, Martha, and their brother, uh, Lazarus, the one who had been raised from the dead. And Jesus became very close with this family. Uh, and so they lived in Bethany. We, we read that in other areas of the scripture. So uh, uh, he's coming to their house. And obviously, uh, you you have Martha, who seems to be the, the primary uh, uh, person. She may have even owned the house. Because uh, it says that that he that she uh, welcomed him them in, into into her house, and but uh, she it's 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 easy to imagine that Martha wanted everything to be perfect when Jesus came in, and uh, but uh, Mary, her sister, when they she had something far more far uh, more important on her mind. She she wanted to sit at Jesus' feet. And as it says, he heard heard her, his word. She wanted to hear what he had to say. And, uh, you know, some people would look at that and say, well, Mary seemed a little bit lazy. It wasn't that she was lazy. Uh, uh, she, she wanted to hear what, what Christ was going to say. We, we, we see that her that sitting at the feet of Jesus would have, would have been a customary thing. Rabbis... Uh, did this? They, their students sat at their feet. We hear uh, Paul say that he was brought up at the feet of Gamaliel. So, so this was not an unusual thing to, yes. for them to be seated at the teacher's feet. Yes, I, I, I think there are some things that we even overlook when we're reading the text. For example, when Jesus responds to Martha, he says her name twice. Yeah. Martha, Martha. He, he did the same thing to Simon Peter. Simon, Simon, behold, same, Satan has demanded permission to sift you like weed. And, uh, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting yes. me? Uh, over and over, this idea is there um, throughout the scripture. And it's a, it's a point of stress. It's a point of, I really, 
listen, listen. We yeah. see, we would say yeah. something like that. Listen, listen. Uh, you you have to understand something. And and the challenge for Mary is, or the challenge for Martha, is that she's distracted. She's distracted about all these things. Now, uh, the term or the word Martha or the name Martha um, is actually a, a a name that means mistress. And so it was understood that she was the she was the head of the house in some sure. fashion. She was the mistress of the house, not head, but she was the mistress of the house. Um, there are discussions on whether or not this was actually uh, intended to be a pun uh, because Martha and the word Mar, which means Lord, um, is, is, is a play there. I'm not sure whether that that's a very complicated mm-hmm. Greek issue that that people uh, show there. I'm not sure Luke's readers who were Greeks would have even understood that in the Aramaic or uh, understood that mm-hmm. in in that language. But nonetheless, um, the idea here is that Martha is distracted, and Mary is choosing the good part. and And all that we have to go on here is that. Mary, Mary, who chose the good part, uh, is that Mary was seated at the Lord's feet, listening to his word. Mm-hmm. And there was a continual listening according to, uh, to those terms there. I, I was intrigued by what Jesus said in verse 42. Well, let's just back up to 41 for a second. He says, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things. But he says this, but only one thing is necessary. Yeah. He doesn't Mary, say, don't be bothered. Don't be bothered by it. He, but one thing is necessary, for Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. And I, if you that, that term, one thing, listen to Psalm 20, 27. One thing have I desired of the Lord that I will mm. seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. And then listen to Luke 18. Now we're going to get into this in a few weeks or maybe a year from now. That's (laughs) absolutely right. When Jesus heard these things, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Come, follow me. And then one more, last but not least, is uh, Philippians uh, uh, 3, 13. He says, this is Paul. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing... I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I, I Now, I have no idea. I can't even begin to think that Jesus would have would have inspired all of this and this these, these two words, one thing, would have had any meaning. But it is it's very, very uh, notable to me that when you read every other time that this is said, it, it is referring back to the Lord and, and learning of the Lord and understanding yes. what the Lord wants them to do. That's very, that's, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm so glad uh, that, 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 that we can uh, look through Scripture and see that, that this is a message that is, that is not uh, strictly for this time, that is, that's the entire thing. There's one thing that God requires of us and it's talked about in numerous places. I mean, if we, if we were to pull this from the previous story, uh, with the lawyer and the good Samaritan and all of that, 
um, the one thing, love the Lord your God with yes. all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Uh, that This is the greatest commandment. And Jesus says, and actually the other is like it, yep. love your neighbor as yourself. But, but that one thing is a love or a devotion uh, to God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. It, it appears that Mary understands this. She's hungering and thirsting for this righteousness. I do I do love the parallels that we see in, in Scripture, and this is this is definitely not an original thought here, but Mm-mm. but we love the 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 parallels we have here that say, you know, she was listening to his word. He he's the word of He's the Word of God. He is the Word made flesh. His His words are life. They are the bread of life. He's He is feeding Mary in a spiritual sense, and she wants that. She's hungry for that truth, and and Martha is not not hungry for sure, that truth. Right. This is really an important understanding. It's simply that Martha is. She's distracted by the cares of life. Now, if we rewind back to the parable of the soils, we have a, we have a warning to a Mary. But Jesus is gentle with Mary, just as Very he gentle. is with us when we're rocky soil or thorny soil. And that is that there are, there are cares of life that t- tend to choke out what's going on. And what God wants us to do is cast those cares on him. He wants us to lay aside those worries and those fears and those things because it's good soil that takes root and produces fruit and and sees joy. Mm-hmm. Martha seems to be depicting one who yields to the good soil idea. Mm-hmm. And Martha is being warned of something mm-hmm. that she's struggling mm-hmm. with, it, which is a distraction. Now, I, I love in John's gospel, it's John eleven five, 5. And I've pointed this out in sermons. Um, many people read the Mary and Martha story and it's like, here's the religious person and here's the true follower of Jesus. And this is utterly wrong. Yeah, we cannot read it this way. In John eleven five, 5, this line is amazing. It says, now Jesus loved Martha mm-hmm. and her sister and Lazarus. You know, it doesn't even mention Mary by name. Yes. Martha is mentioned Martha's, right off the yes. bat, and, and most likely because she was the mistress of the house. But the point still remains, Jesus loved her. Was she distracted? Sure. But let me tell you another reason why it is so abundantly clear that Jesus loves Ma- uh, Martha and why Jesus loves you when you're distracted, but he's going to call you to focus. Because God disciplines those he loves. Absolutely. And what did he Absolutely. just do with, with Martha here? He says, you're worried and bothered about so many things, but only one thing is necessary. Yeah. Mary's chosen the good part, and it's not going to be taken away from her. This is a statement to Martha that says, choose the one thing. Absolutely. And she obviously, we see later on, that she was the one that came when her brother Lazarus died. She was the one that said, Lord, if you had been here... He wouldn't have died. Right. So she obviously knew who was the source. Yeah, she knew the relationship was, uh, you know, Jesus had told her something that was extremely valuable to her. And anytime we are put in a situation where God is teaching us something, and, and it may seem it may seem hard at the time, or it may even say, I'm sure she would have rather not had this happen 
Uh, but later, I'm sure, she was certainly exercised by the lesson that Jesus was teaching her because he did this because he, he loved her. He wanted her yes. to, be, uh, to, to understand what was going on here. Absolutely. But, uh, this, is, this, is, this is an awesome story. And as you've well said, it's, it's not about someone who is extremely spiritual and the other is not. It is just not that story at all. Yeah. Well, we, we notice in, in John 12, 2, that we've got this kind of story of, of Lazarus being sitting, uh, being at the table, reclining at the table, and Martha is serving. And there's no reprimand necessarily right. in that in that time. But the idea here is that Jesus loved Martha. He yeah, loved yeah. Martha. He calls her to, to choose what is uh, what is good, the good part, yeah. you know, and I loved, I loved your point about, you know, the one thing, that one thing is always going to be tied with Jesus, the kingdom of God, his word, what he's proclaiming, what he's calling us to. And, and Mary was hungry for that. And Martha was too, but she was distracted. And so Jesus calls her to a a better way. Mm-hmm. So uh, this has really, uh, really been a good segment of scripture. I, I think in in a recap, just so that we're aware of this kind of thing, we we have to always assess parables and the stories that Jesus is communicating uh, through a right lens. Why were they written? as a big picture question, then why is the particular parable spoken in its context? We need to get to the heart of it, find out why that is so that it actually can speak to us in its right way. Uh, In the parable that we talked about with the Good Samaritan, it is a parable of conviction. If we are to sit in the judgment seat, we would judge that the Samaritan was the one who did what was right, and Jesus says, good, you need to be doing the same. You need to do the same. The humble in heart are going to look at that, they're going to take heed to that, and they're going to walk after Jesus, and they're going to do as he commands. The people who are resisting of that are going to continue to try to justify themselves as the lawyer did before God. With the Mary and Martha story, it's really important to remember at all times what is, um, what is the good part, which is to sit at the feet of Jesus, to hunger and thirst for righteousness, to know him uh, and, and choose that. Uh, we will get all the other stuff done. We will, we will get the other stuff done, but... We need to choose like Mary did uh, or be corrected like Martha was. Absolutely. I think that's important. Awesome, guys. Well, as we always say, please uh, forward us some emails or send us some emails uh, or some comments about these uh, these ideas. We want to hear where you agree with us. We want to hear where you disagree with us. Uh, we'd love to hear why you disagree or why you agree. It's really important for us because it continues the conversation. Uh, whether you know this or not, it helps us grow as we are uh, as we are parsing through the scripture. We want to know how people read the text of scripture. Uh, we're we're surprised sometimes at the way people read things, not because it's necessarily bad, but it's just unlike the way we read it. So we want to encourage you. Send us some thoughts. Get on the U version. Um, plug in with that group. Uh, so that we can uh, we can grow together in this. And until tomorrow, uh, God bless and have a great day.